everybody welcome back to the swimman podcast it's podcast number 93 and as always we're going to be breaking down the nba what's happened since our last podcast you know hash everything up get it all on the pod and discuss it um as always i'm your host shorten ledger join us i'm all the time by louis halpin and lewis howard and yeah i mean again i think beef is the optimal word here because in the nba there has been a bit of beef flying about recently uh, especially last night i think we'll kick things off there and i say either you two want to has a, a more pressing issue but i think that the one that's been sort of grabbing the headlines on on the Twitter sphere as it is is uh, LeBron James getting ejected and well, I mean the Lakers almost lost to the Pistons, but they pulled it back. But definitely the LeBron James and the Russ Westbrook tech and everything like that. Um, it could have been a very very big banana skin for the Lakers and and they avoided it in the end. But yeah, what was your thoughts on the LeBron ejection? Well, I'll say if. Uh... I know there's a lot of injuries going around in the NFL at the moment, but if any team needs an edge rusher, like, <laughs> right. Stewart was absolutely gunning for LeBron. He, <laughs> mate, people were trying to stop him, he was just breaking breaking past them like there was no. It was a bit mad. I haven't seen that in the NBA in a long time. What What was strange was, and we'll get into whether he meant it or not, and what action they should take. Is at first he confronts him about it, but in quite a passive way, and I don't know if something was said. But after so must, a few yeah, seconds, must have been said. he just must loses his mind and yeah. just guns for him in a way that I haven't seen for a long time in a basketball game. It was just crazy to watch. It, the, the same has to be said for a reaction to be sparked like that. However, I am ultimately, I'm very happy about it because it led to some A1 memes on Twitter. <laughs> so preferably yeah. the favourite one being the Zion and the Gumbo problem. The gumbo oh, no, my favourite one. <laughs> My favourite one was um, when they sh- showed like the whole court and DeAndre Jordan was kind of shadowing where Stuart was going <laughs> and it <laughs> was quoted with best defence, DeAndre <laughs> Jordan's <laughs> played. Yeah, I saw that, that was the, the, the ones I appreciate the most were mainly surrounding Russell, uh, Russell Westbrook as he, he was standing oh, in yeah. yeah, he was standing in a pose almost like likened to sort of Street Fighter or, or Tekken <laughs> or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's difficult to say whether he meant it. I think on the slow, you know, the slow motion, it kind of does look a bit more like he was sort of lashing out a little bit of frustration. Yeah. Admittedly, he did was very apologetic afterwards, I think. Mm. And I think AD has said that. Of course, AD would say that he was like looking to, to give him an apology. But I agree, something must have been said for him to just gun it like that, like that reaction. And I mean, I mean, Slomo always makes everything yeah. worse. But I will say he is a hundred percent intending to hard foul him. I don't yeah. think he intends to clock him with his elbow though. <laughs> Which well, see, and give him a bloody cut on his uh, above his eye, but he definitely intends to hard foul. So so like I when I first saw that, I mean again. I think no one would really say LeBron isn't a dirty player, right? No, no. it's not really. Of course, like in a in a career that has spanned the length of time that it has for him, there are going to be some incidents down the line. But he's not a dirty player, right? However, 
from the first instance of when I watched it back, from like the stuff that I saw on Twitter and just the game highlights itself, it didn't look like it was malicious. But then there's an angle from, and it's obviously on one of the uh, camera guys that sort of sit low underneath the basket. There's an angle where you see LeBron, and it, again, it is in slow-mo, so it makes it look bad, but you see like his face, and he, he does look to see where he's going to go and put his sort yeah. of elbow. What I think, I don't think he means to hit him where he does, I think he means to probably just elbow him like the arm or the hand. Yeah, he means him. to get his he means to get yeah. his arm off him. Yeah, 100%. I don't. I, he, he, LeBron isn't meaning to elbow him in the face or wherever it was. Like he's just meaning to get away, but it's just unfortunately it's where it's landed. So I think that's just the issue for it. Um, but I mean, <laughs> look, I think it's, it's again, it's not what LeBron sort of. That's not his leadership for it. But I mean, they were down like fourteen or something in that game, and you know, a spark like that. Obviously, he's much better on the court than not. But a spark like that was probably what was needed to rile some of the players up a bit more. Yeah. And I mean, in the end, they ended up getting the result. But um, one, one, I mean, of West, one of Westbrook's best games in a Lakers jersey. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, think, I, I, mean, he, I, I don't want to talk about the Lakers all day, but yeah, go on, mate. I think being a bit more of an experienced team sort of helped them overcome that that yeah. sort of um, change in an atmosphere because, you've got, you know, the Pistons aren't very good and their best player is a rookie. Um, yeah, I was going to add, they're also far better. They should be yeah, far yeah. better systems anyway. So. But, but it's like a common theme, the sort of chippiness and a few scuffles. I mean, there was a... We talked about the one with Jokic and uh, Markeith Morris the other week, and then we had Miles Turner and Rudy Gobert doing Ring Around the Roses uh, last week. Um, yeah, that was I a think, strange one, actually. Yeah, I think it is kind of a case of there being... I think it's something that the rule changes sort of indirectly led to because I think the games are just a bit more aggressive. You know, they're flowing a little bit better. I think people, players are just getting a little bit more frustrated. I think, yeah, this is kind of a different case where it was like a free throw and like a rebound and stuff like that. But I think overall, the NBA has been a lot more chippy this season, which I do quite appreciate as long as it doesn't lead to, um, you know, malice in the palace or something like that. So yeah, I mean that's quite the stretch, but that, yeah, yeah. That, that's why <laughs> you know. But I got think the rules in place that we do. Today. Yeah, uh, but I think it's uh, again. I agree with you in, in the respect of that. I, I want to see it a little bit more physical. And I think that that's what they've sort of lent on towards this season as well. I know that they've sort of gone back a bit with the the strictness with the fouls that they were calling. Like I've noticed that Harden's been picking up free throw attempts at the line <laughs> quite a lot more since he started whinging about it, but. Um, I do want to see refs a bit more lenient in terms of physicality. Like the, I, at the end of the day, it's entertainment. In the long and short of it, it's a game of what it is, but it is entertainment to see. Like yeah. if, if someone gets teched for like a small little brush off and, and stuff like that, and then they get benched for ten minutes, no one wants to see that. So I appreciate it. Obviously, in that instance, is a bit different, but um, yeah, I, I, I think that the NBA is sort of understanding that a bit more now, and they're being a little bit they're, they're more. They're appeasing, is what I'd say. Yeah, um, and, that's, and that's a separate issue as well to the one yeah. Lou was talking about. Obviously, the, Louis talking more about the playing the game for fouls, whereas you're talking about more allowing aggressiveness as in like, like no one should be getting texts for celebrations and stuff like that. Yeah. For, for like a, a dunk or something where they for like goading the other team. It's just stupid. Like that. Everyone wants them to be able to do those kind of things. Anyway, moving on from that topic, I do want to talk about a team that we didn't mention in the last podcast. Um, they're on a bit of a run. Uh, I would like to talk about the Phoenix Suns. I think it's is it is it twelve 
wins now? Yeah, a bit of a run is a massive understatement. <laughs> yeah, no, I know okay. they've won their there last was some, There, there was some know, small sarcasm. Sure. I thought it was 12. It might have been 13 from the Nuggets last night. I'm not sure. Because I, I can't remember 12. if they lost. Did... All right, yeah, I was going to say, because if it's 13, it would have mean they lost their first three. I don't think they did that. But even so, right, just how good... At... Is this Suns team just sort of having a favourable run against strong opposition that are just on the road? Or is there some factors playing in? Or are these genuinely... Are these sons a team that could be competing for the number one seed in the West? Um, I, mean, I think they I've, could definitely be competing. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I think what helps them more than anything is the consistency they have as opposed to uh, a team like the Lakers, which are trying to fit in a load of different moving pieces. Um, but I think the first thing I notice whenever I've watched the Suns is just like how good their defense is. Um, I'm not sure about the particular statistics. I'll just pull them up. So, yeah, they're third in defensive rating, which doesn't surprise me whatsoever. And you know, Chris Paul kind of leads that in the way that he transmits defensive energy, even for a smaller guy. Um, but I think that even in, like, a couple of those games, uh, DeAndre Ayton wasn't even playing. I think, like, five or so of those games he wasn't playing. And I think that is the sort of testament to a team that knows exactly what they're doing and what roles to fill which is something I don't think the Lakers have right now. Um, and it's something that the Warriors do have because they've played together for a couple of years. So I think that early season feeling is is kind of what pushing them, what's pushing them through right now. But I definitely think they're, they're obviously a threat in the West because they got to the finals last year. And if I'm part of me, like, obviously the Golden State Warriors have won like three, three uh, championships or four championships, sorry. But part of me feels like the Suns have just a bit more of a talent base. I'm not too sure. I mean, obviously, the Warriors have like a superior best player in Steph Curry than whatever the Suns have. But I feel like the overall team of the Phoenix Suns might be a little bit better. Um, uh, I disagree with that, to be honest. Yeah. I, think the, I do think the Warriors are a better team than the Suns all the way through as well. I think this year, the the roster the Warriors have minus obviously Kevin Durant is better than what they've had, especially obviously when Clay comes back in the championship years they had. I think it's that this is what I know a lot of people have said this is the best iteration of the of the Warriors team ever. I don't think that's true because the, you know if Kevin Durant's on your team versus not on your team, there's a massive swing there. But minus him, just looking at the rest of the team, I do think this is probably the best Warriors squad we've had. In terms of depth, do you think that I, I think they they have, as a whole, the best, uh, once again, as I said, minus Kevin Durant. But uh, I know you, you, know, you can't minus Kevin Durant, so it's not mm. the best I've ever had. But if we were to ignore him, look at the previous teams, I think it's the best shooting depth they've ever had. And defensively, I think it's the best the squad's ever been. Defensively, I can I can get behind that. I mean, Jordan Paul's playing out of his mind at the minute. Um when Steph's had a couple games off as well, he's really been the one to step up in terms of scoring. I think maybe what might switch that up for me, I, I would, I think I'd take the Suns overall team over the Golden State Warriors team. I do think if it comes down to it, the best player usually wins enough in the best player is Steph Curry on either of these mm. two teams. But uh, Clay will obviously swing that. And I don't know what Clay we're going to get, really. No one does, to be fair. He hasn't played basketball in like two and a half years. But I mean, I, I mean it's I an interesting conversation. Yeah, 
No, no, I agree because he's not, you know, explosive. Yeah, defensively, sort of it could make a difference, but with the technology and the knowledge that we have today, I think he's probably going to come back quite close to full, full the full play we've seen. It'll take I time mean, obviously think... for him to get the game time, but when he's up and running, I think it'll be fine. KD's recovery, I think, is should be a sort of like inspiration to a lot of players. I mean. I where did Clay have in the first place? He had ACL first. Was it Achilles after? Yeah, it was Achilles after. <laughs> yeah. He done his uh, Achilles warming up in like a pre-season game or something yeah. like that. Like in like a Rikers Court sort of gym style. It wasn't even like an official thing. Yeah. That, it's not that as bad as John uncle. Wall, but yeah. <laughs> was it John Wall falling down some stairs or yeah, something? Yeah, falling like down that. the stairs on like a tray of dinner and fell down the Unfortunately, stairs. Unfortunately, you can't play anymore and it's not due to injury. They just won't play him, you know. But um, yeah, uh, I think it's be, it'll be an interesting conversation come the end of the season because I do still kind of think the West is open for debate. I mean, Golden State Warriors are obviously at the top of the, the pedestal there and you'd expect the Lakers to get better. I've had sneaky feelings if Kawhi came back, the Clippers would be really good as well. Um, but that's more of a theoretical type thing. Uh, but yeah, the Suns deserve their praise and I think They've sort of under the radar been very, very good. Yeah, I agree. Considering, as you said, they got to the final, regardless of what teams and what people had injuries or not, they got to the finals last year, which is a very difficult thing to do. They were the second seed last year as well, weren't they, I think? Yeah. Yeah, so they have they've shown already what they can achieve. And with some of the new teams that have come back faltering a little bit, the Lakers, obviously, whilst they might sort it out by the end of the season, they're still probably going to end up being a lower seed than a team like the Suns. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the higher seed you get, the better chance you've got of going deep in the playoffs. So I, I do think the, uh, the, the Suns will be one of the teams that will be up there competing to get out of the West come playoff time. Although I do think the Warriors are definitely the number one team at the moment. I do think there's a little bit of a gap. Where do you think the Minnesota Timberwolves are? <laughs> I tell you what, the Timberwolves aren't terrible. I'll give them that. They're not. They're they not were the storming three game run. Yeah, they beat the uh, Grizzlies by three game run. They beat the Grizzlies by like forty points or something last game. Yeah, Spurs I say 90, after that, hundred fifteen to ninety. Before that three game run, I think they were like one and six or something. Yeah, seven before they were on that run. So they beat the Lakers. Yeah, they've been very hot and cold. But I will say there is a lot of excitement to be had considering some of the young players they've got and how they're performing. Yeah, I think I, I didn't mean to transition this to a Timberwolves conversation, but we might. I don't mind. Soon. I don't mind. Um, the thing about Cat is, and I think it's pretty evident at this stage, is that he's like he's not a very dominant personality. Um, from it's just a bit more passive. That's just like the type of personality he is. So defensively, I don't think he imposes himself very much. And I don't think other players are that scared of him, even though he is like very, very good. And, you know, maybe he's not the best offensive center in the league because that's obviously Jalen Bede or Jokic, but he's pretty damn versatile um, when you compare him to those, those two, even though Jokic is passing, shooting, yeah, everything. But he can do everything. He can do a lot of that as well, minus the passing and minus the defense. Um, but I think Anthony Edwards is 
a more dominant personality guy. And he's really, you know, the other sort of big players in the league. I think Draymond Green was one of them, sort of. They took notice and they took respect of that. And I think that is a pretty positive sign. That being said, I'm still not a fan of the the D'Angelo Russell fit. Um, And I wouldn't mind Ben Simmons there in his place. But that is a conversation, I suppose, that is not ready to be had. Yeah, so I mean, Louis, as as the resident Timbles aficionado, um, if I if I if, let, let, let's let's have a bit of role play here. If you're the Timberwolves GM, right, and you've landed yourself in a circumstance right now, gun to your head, you've got to trade one of the franchise. Are you going to trade Cat or are you going to trade Anthony Edwards? <laughs> wow, who's more important to that franchise right now? Um. I would probably trade Cat because I can see him trying to force his way out in a couple of years as well. That's another thing I have to sort of play into it. Mm. At least with Anthony Edwards, I think you've got a bit of time. He's obviously going to sign his rookie deal. Everyone does. Um, and with Cat, I can see him just getting a bit bored, you know, of perennially losing every year. Not that they're doing that badly this year. Might get playing or something like that. Um yeah, I think that that sort of dom like the thing is with Anthony Edwards, he's so reliant on athleticism, which could be a worry, you know, with injuries and stuff like that. Whereas cats, it's more it's more about the fundamentals with him and his shooting. I so, just, I uh, just, cool, yeah, cool. I just like early signs from Anthony Edwards a little bit more. And I think, I mean, we've had years of cat now leading that team, and it's just not really, he's not done very much. The only time they ever done anything was when Jimmy Butler was there. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, I don't I know about you. Bit. I don't know about you, Lewis, but just for when we're writing up our quotes, I I think Louis one should be. I would trade Cat from the Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> I think that's what. <laughs> to be fair, I also agree with what he said. I, I oh, I think I think, I think it's an easy thing for me. I, I've not really ever really been that impressed with Cat. It's just fake stat numbers. But <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't Kat... go that far. Cat is one of the best centers in the NBA. He's not. He's not top tier, but he's under them. He just can't be a, like a, the best player. He can't be a leader. I think if he, he's yeah, a that... slightly upgraded Vucevic, is what I'd describe. Oh, as. nah, he's miles better than you, Vucevic. I mean, I would also add Vucevic no, no, no. is center. Like, I know. I'm not. I'm not I, good that, wasn't, that wasn't he's a dig at Carl Anthony Towns. It's just he's just a, a better Vucevic. That's all I see him as. Cat is not just like a good shooter for a big man. He's genuinely like one of the best shooters in the league. Like, period. He, no, he is so that, good. Yeah. No, he actually is from three. Yeah. Um, I think a really ideal scenario for him would be like on the Milwaukee Bucks. Obviously, they just won the championship. That'd be an ideal scenario for a lot of people. But I think Giannis could cover some of his defensive deficiencies. He's obviously a much better leader than Cat is. And I think trying to guard Giannis inside and Cat outside might be just too yeah. much for too many teams. Uh, that would be the place that I think he would want to go because I think he's friends with Giannis as well. I think going back to the Anthony Edwards cat conversation. I'm pretty sure now. I think everyone's made up their mind that cat's not a one anymore. He's not. I don't think he can be a first option on a team that's looking to win. Yeah, certainly. Um, it's not a slide, but yeah, yeah, it's not a slide. There's very few players that are that type of person. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, lads, I have a, a bit of a change in pace here. Of a, of a conversation that I want to... Well, more of a question, actually, that I want to I want to put forward to you. Um, so, I mean, as ever, when just as we're about to hop onto these podcasts, you know, we always stay up to date with the NBA every day. We just check in and out and see see some of the scores, watch some of the highlights and whatnot. We all do it. But as, 
you prepare for a podcast, you know, you'll have a look at what's most recently began or just to, you know, brush up on everything. And what happened to gaze my eyesight was that I saw the Houston Rockets are one and 15. I feel that's gone under the radar quite a lot. So then I did a little bit of digging and I had a look. Do we actually think these Houston Rockets could go on and get the worst NBA regular season record of all time? Now, bearing in mind, scratch the Charlotte Bobcats of 2012, because that was in a reduced season. The worst record ever held in a full 82 league game season is the Philadelphia 76ers in 1973 with a win loss of 9 and 73. I mean, the Houston Rockets at the minute. Yeah, <laughs> I, they, I, I saw a, a tweet or an article about this. They are on call three at the moment. Do I think they're capable of it? Hundred, 100%. I think they'll probably be fine. Because I think come when it goes towards the end of the season and some teams have already solidified what they need, they'll be they'll be you know downing tools a little bit. They'll probably pick up enough wins there to get over the line. Do you think? Yeah, I don't think they'll get much more than that, but I do think they'll get more than that. You didn't sound optimistic. I had, I had a deep sigh there. Yeah, they are really, really bad. I mean, they were bad last year because they just, like, for them, obviously, that they are tanking. That That is the overweight me. They're giving Jalen Green as many minutes as he can to sort of learn on the job. Um, Christian Wood is just sort of lingering about there. Probably available for a trade at some stage in the as I said earlier, they they've been in John Wall off because yeah, <laughs> somehow Wall. he uh, John Wall's yeah. there. Kevin they're, pay, they're there. paying they're paying John Wall. I think it's something like forty four million dollars to sit on the bench this year. Somehow they're they are like they think John Wall will make them too good, which is I don't think a phrase <laughs> he's probably heard in quite a while. That was quite harsh, actually. Um, they are fun little fact here. I've <laughs> I think they might like they definitely have like yeah they have the worst offense in the league defensively not too bad but they are the fa- statistically anyway by pace they're the fastest team in the league and they also get 19 turnovers a game and that just 19 yeah that sounds like us playing pro am on 2k yeah it is it's quite mental i think that just sort of lends itself to playing too fastly and they have just like a lot of inexperienced players who can't play make um and Jalen Green has been very up and down he's had games where he looks the world beater they drafted and he has games where it's a bit like he, he does remind me a lot of Anthony Edwards last year although albeit there are differences between them but yeah they very well could get the worst record in the league I'm not I'm not putting it past them but that is a hard, hard record to beat. Hmm. Uh, I think you want to tank, but you don't want records like that. And I mean, I understand why they're paying John Wall and all of this money, but I, I can't see currently. I mean, again, it is early doors. It's 16 games in the season, but you're getting to that point now where you sort of know what a team is like this year. Like You, you know where they're going to be there or thereabouts. And I can't see they're not going to want to make a run at the end, <laughs> just in case. Like, I mean, I'm re- who, who, who's 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 forty? All right, the Pelicans, yeah. So the Pelicans <laughs> are going to give up at, at some stage as well, because unless Zion comes back and stops and puts down the gumbo for a while, but I think it just it, might be too late. I think it's too late. Like, 
I don't know, but he's yeah, running that, again. That was all it. I mean, he's running again. So yeah, just to, to end that, I, I genuinely think they're, they're not going to match the Bobcats. They were seven and fifty nine in that reduced season, but I think the there's a few. There's a nine of seventy three from the Sixers. There's a ten of seventy two of the Sixers. It was a couple of years ago. I don't <laughs> think they're going to match. Sort of. I don't think they're going to be. I don't think they're getting clear. They're not. They're not getting more than thirteen wins this year. Just yeah, not... I reckon they're hitting about thirteen. So, 12, 13. Yeah, which is I don't tragic. know what I, I don't know what their over and under was, but it must have been like twenty something because there's no teams that have less than twenty. I don't think. Nah, yeah, it would be random. But I mean, the Thunder are tanking as well, and they've got a lot of the young players. I don't think there's too much of an excuse, but you know, it would be interesting to be like what those those sort of the pre-game chats are like because they can't be let's go out there and lose the game that just can't be it i, I don't think it is a particularly good environment for young players to really learn that's what it. i mean I, that's that's what i mean you do have to like i mean we're, we're hot off like the process with the sixers you know they spent all those years tanking and losing and the products were Jalen Bede and Ben Simmons, which are pretty good products. But right now, everyone's sort of questioning, you know, was it worth it to lose all the years? Because Ben Simmons wants out, and now it looks like it hasn't come to the, you know, the the promised land where where they thought it would do. Um, Trust the process, but yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think so people have said that there was there were sort of lingering issues from those Sixers team, just like they didn't know how to win at the end of the day, and. I don't think that was too much of an issue, you know, when it comes to beating the Hawks or whatever. I think that was more just systemic and these two players just, you know, they couldn't get it over the line. But uh, it's not a play, an environment where I'd want a young player to develop personally. It's just, uh, it must be so weird from Houston. If, like, you've a couple of years ago, you were in, like, you're an injury away from finals and all of the, and all of this sort of end season stuff and now you can't even score 100 points like it's a real changing culture so i mean i don't know the full on sort of changes in the back office and whatnot but for for that organization it's got to be a complete different mindset and mm. complete culture reset done in a very short space of time and then once you stick to this, you have to stick to it for a while. Like you're not going to wake up next season and start going for a championship. No. It doesn't work like that. So it is you're there for a few years, more than that. But I know I mean, yeah. they've gone full rebuild. It's simple as that, really. I know we've talked a lot about the West here, so we probably should transition to the East at some stage. But I think I, I feel it must be weird for like someone like Shea Gilgis Alexander because obviously it comes to the Thunder that they, they do well the first season and then the. They they sat him last season because they didn't want to win games basically, and it's in the same sort of scenario here. And you just like you hold all those those picks, you you trade all these people, and you get these picks. And like, what what is it going to lead to eventually? I know uh, Sam Presti's very good at drafting and that, but it's a it's so long to you know keep losing season after season. I don't think I I, don't, I just don't think that's the way organisation should be right. I, I can understand tanking or resetting or whatever, but there needs to be a, a stage where you know you develop to to win. And I don't I don't know if holding all these picks is something that really does that and losing every year. Essentially, so um, but yeah, let's let's move on to the east. Um, 
let's have a little bit of a switch up from there. So, I mean, the East itself, uh, there was a question I was going to ask, but I was going to also think about it for, we'd probably do a podcast for this around sort of the halfway point. Um, but I was having a little scan at my uh, my over and under prediction that I made at the start of the year, as, as we all did. And obviously I, I backed myself, put, put the money where the mouth is, as they say. And um, I had the Bucks to go 55 wins. Now, have I got, uh, I have doubts. Are they legitimate doubts, would you say? I mean, I think the Bucks will be fine. But for 55 wins, whether they'll be fine to hit 55 wins is another story. Nine and eight is obviously not a great start to 55 no, wins. <laughs> to be fair, Yanis has been out a couple games, hasn't he? Um, I know Chris Middleton as well has been been injured. That Brooke Lopez missed a couple games. I just think it's maybe the uh, the sort of the battle scars from last into the NBA finals last year and you know all getting a year older. I think fifty five might be a bit of a stretch actually. And it looks like somehow that I mean we're at a very very early stage. Maybe I shouldn't make judgments like this, but it does look like the Chicago Bulls might might run away with the one seed, which is quite uh, well we've got the Nets right there as well and the Wizards have been very good. I yeah cool cool. I just think the East is better this year personally. Overall, I think it's a better conference. I mean, you see the Hawks down there, eight and nine. Sixers are in the tenth seed as well, and I, I just think that sort of middle pack has got better, which has made things a little bit harder. And then they're they're missing a few key players, but they'll be fine. But fifty five wins might be a bit. Uh, well, a bit of a stretch, sorry. <laughs> the more the more and more I look at it, I didn't even realise. So I was most confident about the fact that I had the Lakers under fifty two, and I was quite happy about that. Yeah. And then the more I look at this, I'm like Bucks fifty five. Uh, Heat 49, quite confident on. Um, 76 is 51, um, not not as confident on that one. And then um, for some reason, I did the Spurs at 29 plus. Can't remember why I did that, but yeah. <laughs> so I mean, long and short, I don't think that one's coming in this year. But who knows? Last last year, it came down to the very last game of the season. So. You know, well, now you've I'm interested to see mine. You know. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I know I've got several of mine wrong already. Um, I mean, I had the Pelicans under, which is fine. I had the Mavs over, which I don't know, maybe. But that's 48 and a half. Knicks over at 41 and a half. I feel kind of okay about that. Mm-hmm. I had the, uh, the Bulls under at 41 and yeah, a half. So yeah, you was very, very down <laughs> yeah, on the Bulls. Yeah, you, you screwed that yeah. And I think I might have gone over on the Celtics, but I don't have the, the win total on there. You so. know what? I you actually had, think... You had, you had the Celtics <clears throat> at over 45. So yeah. That, that that might that might come in. Of the three of ours, early days, I think mine's looking the best. What, I had the what, I had the Nuggets. Saying? I had the Nuggets over forty six, which I think yeah. they do. Yeah. I've, I had the Warriors over forty seven, which yeah. they'll definitely do. Yeah. I had the Hornets over thirty eight, which I'm pretty confident they're going to do. Yeah. Definitely. I had the Kings under thirty six or thirty six or under. Yes, yeah, under thirty seven. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, that coach. On. The yeah. only one that is looking a bit iffy and it depends on a certain man getting into shape and a certain man getting vaccinated is I had the Nets under 58 which they're still doing well at the moment even without that but if one of those two things happens then I think they might actually get that so (laughs) that's unfortunate I mean (laughs) it's it's, it's actually on track currently 57.8 
So yeah, so you're that, that you're, you're going to go down to the wire. But I agree, yeah, you're definitely doing the best on that one. No. It's only surprising to be honest, because a lot of people have slandered the Nets so far this season, and they're still they've still got the joint best record yeah, but, in the year. Uh, but this this is the but it's the sl- it's relative. It's slander for what they are that they should be, but they've still got mm. Kevin Durant and mm. James Harden. They're still going to win games of basketball. You know relatively what? Simply. And I uh, I was speaking to Louis about our you know we talked about the overrunner picks. I was speaking about our MVP picks to you, Louis, with Steph, <laughs> and how that's looking pretty good. But I will say, if the Nets do manage to get a record higher than, or get the over, contrary to what I said, and they've got the Kyrie problems, and they've got the Harden problems, the narrative's looking very good for KD to be right up there as well. So There are literally rival fans cheering, chanting MVP at Steph when he's taking yeah. free throws. Yeah. Uh, I think the only one out of those picks I'm taking is, I think I might have got the sixth man right currently, but... Um... Did Which is probably I went for Tyler Hero. Mm, yeah. I honestly think yeah, I was talking about narratives. Honestly, Mello's probably got a shout for that. Potentially, not good yeah, yeah, not see, good but that's that's the thing. Like, I agree that Lakers do suck at the moment, but they're going to get better. And if he keeps performing, everyone will want to give it to him. Yeah, but Tyler Hero is coming off the bench every night and getting like. 20 minimum. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not saying Tyler Hero isn't like out in front or one of the main options. Yeah, I, I've gone to like two extremes on this. Like, I'm pretty confident at the minute I'm currently winning on sixth man of the year. However, selecting Anthony Davis for defensive player of the year might yeah, have been the worst. Oh, yeah, we all did that. And we all, I, I said that in the last podcast. I think that is gone. That is absolutely yeah. gone. That's never happening. I do remember, though, Louis wanting to pick. Evan Mobley for Rookie of the Year, and they're not doing it, and he's probably mm. one of the one of the ones that's leading the race for that. They mm. get injured for um six weeks, I think, which might mm. do him a bit dirty. Lamella had the same thing last year. I think my Coach of the Year pick for Rick Carlisle is um not looking particularly fair. I was worried about my I was worried about my Coach of the Year pick, but Billy Donovan's looking pretty good at the moment. Yeah. So. <laughs> certainly. Who do you go for coach, coach D, George? Well, Eric Spolstra, I think. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're doing decent. They, they are doing, yeah. I shouldn't say decent. They're doing very well, but I, I just don't think they'll get it at the moment. That, Where's Ansel Jr.? You know what? Yeah, I was about to say that. You were, we're on the East. There's one team we haven't spoken about that we really should, and it is the Wizards, because they're currently 11-5, and five, and that is exceeding everyone's expectations by a country mile. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I think I got Bradley Beal as my star player on uh, NBA Fantasy. Uh, link in the description to join. <laughs> but that's that's the um, weird thing about it is Bradley Beal's not been the Bradley Beal we've seen for the last couple of years, where he's like completely dominating. But they've still been very good, and I think that's a very good sign. Obviously, mm. I, well, I mean, <clears> when <throat> you get Spencer, when you get Spencer Dinwiddie in your team, it's just when you've got the passing ability of Spencer <laughs> Dinwiddie, then any team's going to get improved from mate. But, Maybe I overestimate because I wasn't as much a fan of the Russ trade when it first happens because I'd rather have just like the best player rather than like depth, if that makes sense. But maybe that's exactly what the Wizards needed more than anything. I mean, I think when it gets to the playoffs, I think the best player thing is more important than maybe the regular season is. So, I mean, yeah, it's just it's a series of players that can easily put up around double digit points like KCP, Dinwiddie. I mean, for as much as he gets. 
Yeah, I mean, for as much as he gets mean, Carl Kuzma's still like he can get you a double double quite easily on the night. Um, Aaron Holiday, really good. Yeah, Harold. I mean, Harold's been good of going back to similarly how sort of he was used prior, and then was never really effectively used in the rotation at the Lakers. That was their whole thing. Yeah, Um, I mean that that was simply pure uh, purely down to the playoffs. I think I think Vogel recognised that he didn't want him getting many minutes in the playoffs so for the regular season he just decided that you know considering yeah. he, he's not in their plans for the postseason that he just didn't want to play him in the regular season because he yeah. was trying to get everyone to mesh together probably that and also let's just take him off the Clippers so um, yeah, yeah. well I mean it's, it's one of these ones with the Wizards again is that they're gonna. T- I just can't. They're gonna tail off at some point, no? Like when you look at the the East as well. There's no way Philly, <clears> the Bucks, and even Boston are staying in that playing. Like the Hornets, the Cavs, and the Wizards, it can't keep this up, surely. I think the Hornets will probably keep up about what they're doing. Well, you think they're, no, no, they're, they're ten and eight? Like I think they'll. I think they'll probably be. I, I I don't know. I'll have to look up what the what the ratio goes up to when you get that to bloody. Uh... Eight, uh, yeah. eight, yes, full season this season, yeah. But it'll probably that's probably something like I don't know, like forty-five and thirty-seven or something like that. But I, I think they'll actually they'll probably be a bit under that, yeah. But as you say, I do agree that you will you probably expect to see the Bucks and the Celtics and the Seventy Sixers and maybe even the Hawks overtake the Wizards as the season goes on, but. Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't. If you'd asked me what the Wizards were going to be after sixteen games, I wouldn't put anywhere near eleven and five. So, yeah. I, you know, maybe they'll prove everyone wrong again. I don't like the Celtics personally. I, it just so, something, doesn't, something <laughs> doesn't feel right with the Celtics. Still, there's just something you, not right there. You know, and the lingering the, the uh, faults that I displayed in the first episode of the season, I think are only getting stronger from you know corridors where it actually matters and not just my opinion um i i do think jason tatum and jalen brown have a bit of an issue playing together and yeah they they, they need like a proper playmaker there or maybe they need to cut their losses and get someone that's going to suit one yeah. of the two more yeah that kemba Wal- that kemba walker's doing <laughs> and, and i'll say as well I would go back to four talking about actually the Hornets will probably go a bit under 45. I just checked that 45 was actually nearly bang on as well. So I've done, I've done great work there. Yeah, right. But I also then think about the Celtics. I think mm, actually they're not going to get 45. They're probably not going to get 45 wins. I think that'll be quite close to Celtics one. Yeah, so I do I. I think not. So, you know, maybe the Wizards will be in and around there. I don't think they'll be, but the way they're going. Tatum's playing very well at the moment. I should I, I should say that. I think he's got like mm. thirty points in his last four games or something like that. So it's, it's not all doom. Like I, I try, I'm probably a bit too negative about it because they're both very good players and they're still young and they still they can still get better. But it's been a couple of years now, and I just don't think it's progressed. Certainly in these last two seasons, more than the the one before when they got conference finals. Yeah, exactly how you thought it would. Be. And I th- I think that's the real issue with the Celtics is everyone when when they are judging or evaluating the Celtics team they always compare them to when they were getting to the conference finals it's like mm. the main a lot of the time when Ben Simmons gets criticized or critiqued 
they look at his progress throughout the seasons and they see the stats are pretty similar and that he, uh, and that he stagnated. I think a lot of the time people look to the Celtics and think, you know, you put yourself in a great position, you did well, but you haven't moved on since then. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is, it's, it's more, I suppose, disappointment than anything because mm. you know how talented those two players are. Um, we, we shall see, I suppose. Is to see. I, I, with Brad Stevens there, like, he knows how well those two can play together probably more than anyone else. So I don't think he'll be maybe as reluctant to trade one of the two as uh, Danny Ainge once was. Yeah, and I'll say as well, um, Al Horford, Dennis Schroeder, Marcus Smart, they're all playing, starting to play a lot better in the in the last few yeah. games as well. So I, I would expect to see their their record start turning a bit more positive than just being even. Indeed. Right, and just as we wrap it up, I did want to say, did you see what happened to the Jazz fan that was sitting courtside recently? The Jazz fan? I know a king, something yeah. happened to a king. Oh, oh, the king. Yeah, fan. I was yeah. going to say. Jazz I mean, to be fair, king. he's watching the king, so that's not yeah, surprising. Gonna... <laughs> Any, say, anyone's throwing just, up. Just before, just before Luke Walton was fired as well. Um, they're one of the weirder things I've seen because, like, one of the quotes that really got there was like, "He was staring right at me, smiled, and then threw up." <laughs> oh dear! Um, when I say that, right, yeah, the Kings are six and eleven. They're not even doing as bad as some of the other teams. So. They're not doing that bad, man. They're not doing that bad. Right, I'll uh, I'll wrap this one up there. Um, thank you very much for listening. Make sure you follow us on all of our socials at Swingman Pod. Check out our website www.swingmanpod.com. Get involved in the fantasy league. Links in the description below. And yeah. Keep enjoying the NBA. Stay safe. And um, we'll catch you in the next podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And peace.